This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie as we are, well, I was about to say as we are every Thursday, but we were not here last Thursday. Ebo and uh, my understanding is uh, intern, uh, intern Austin was here. I, I was just made aware of that today. Um, holding on the fort for us as we were down in Tampa last week. We had a great time in Tampa. Uh, this time last week we were in a hospitality room uh, having some drinks, I believe, is, is what we're doing in Tampa at this time last week. Lots of football watching and lots of snack eating and drink consuming. Yes. Good time. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously... A lot to get to tonight. Uh, Transfer Portal was busy today for Wisconsin. They are, they've added one. They've lost one. We'll get into that. Also talk a little uh, overreaction or no regarding the depth chart that Jesse put out both on offense and on defense. And then we're going to talk a little basketball. The Wisconsin offense off to a very good start so far through 13 games. They are one of the better offenses in Wisconsin history. Could we say that? Is that Certainly or is that a little bit much? history, based on the advanced analytics. Advanced analytics and also the raw numbers a little bit, too, um, as they're averaging 74-something a game, which would be the most since the 1993 season, 93-94 season, uh, with Michael Finley and Rashard Griffith and Tracy Webster and some really, really good players. Really, really good players. Um, but let's start, Jesse, with the transfer portal because Wisconsin got a huge addition this morning. It was linebacker Jaheim Thomas out well, I should say from Arkansas, but he played his first few years at Cincinnati with Luke Fickle, with Mike Tressel, and now he is back in the fold. He's about 6'4", about 235, 240, led Arkansas in tackles with 90. Kind of fill out a favor towards the end of the season for with Arkansas. Uh, I saw Sam Pittman, their, their head coach, talk about him a little bit and why he fell out and maybe had some, um, some tackling issues, but, I mean, the dude put up 90 tackles in a season. He was their leading tackler. And uh, he brings some length and athleticism to Wisconsin defense for sure. Wisconsin's added 10 players from the transfer portal at this point, and they're not done yet. But based on the players that they currently have, I think this is, if I were to rank them, the number two portal pickup that they've had to date. Obviously, I would put Tyler Van Dyke number one because he plays quarterback and everything that they need the quarterback to do. But Thomas, to me, is an instant plug-and-play starter. Cincinnati's staff knows what it has in him. Luke Fickle was able to coach him for three seasons, and his last year at Cincinnati, he made tremendous strides. He finished third on the team in tackles in 2022 with 70. So then he goes to Arkansas for a year, puts up big numbers, and now he'll have a year here. I think if this roster holds, and there is still going to be movement, but now you've got Jaheim Thomas and Jake Cheney potentially as starters. It really shows you what this staff valued when they evaluated the portal this offseason because so far... They've now added three inside linebackers with Jaheim Thomas, with Sebastian Cheeks from North Carolina, Josiah Galvan from Northern Iowa, and they added two outside linebackers and John Pius from William & Mary and Leon Lowry from Syracuse. But to me, Thomas is about as big of a get defensively as as, uh, they can have because of the impact that he can make in a Mike Tressel defense. What do you think this says about, or I should say, what should expectations be? Automatic starter? I think so, largely because of the experience and the knowledge the staff has with him. Now, everything we saw last season, I think, tempers expectations across the board. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, look what he did. He's going to be a first-team All-Big Ten player. But if you just look at the inside linebacker group, who has more experience that you can count on? Galvan 
played very well, but that was at the FCS level. He led you and I in tackles with 77. He's got three years of eligibility left, but he played the end of the season at 205 pounds, and you're not going to be a Big Ten linebacker at 205. Now, when I talked to him, he said he felt like he had an opportunity to bulk up pretty easily to 225. Sebastian Cheeks was a four-star prospect, um, but he barely played at UNC. They love Christian Allegro. But he also barely played. Now, he got the bulk of his snaps in the bowl game. I think in the end, he ended up playing 53 snaps. You compare that to what they have, and I think that uh, is substantial in terms of bringing in a guy like Thomas. So they bring him in, and they add him to a group, as you mentioned, of all these other guys that they brought in. What does it say about what they thought of the room, the inside linebacker room, and I guess the linebacker room in general, that they went ahead and did what they did here? Well, obviously... You're losing some people. Jordan Turner is gone. He entered the portal. He's at Michigan State. He is. Mumajog Mehta moving on. Yep. Tatum Grass moving on. Not that he was a, a major contributor on the field, but it had been the program for a long time. I think they realized this season that the guys, the, the types of guys that they had on this roster were not necessarily the best fits for what they want to do at inside linebacker. And, and obviously, jo- Jordan Turner and Mumajog Mehta put up very good numbers the year before and they were not as effective in this kind of defense and got exposed quite often. So to me, that that's what it says, is they feel like they needed players that better fit this system and believe moving forward that's what they have. So, But there are guys left behind here, right? Absolutely. Brian Sanborn, you, you mentioned some of these guys, right? Brian Sanborn, Dayton Vaughn, Tyler Janzi, you got uh, Landon Galthier coming in. Mm-hmm. Are those all guys that you fit that role? It's really hard to know because we're talking a lot about guys we haven't had an opportunity to see much of in practice. Now, Brian Sanborn just a couple of years ago was in that conversation when Jim Leonard was here and they were talking about that group. Well, we've got five linebackers competing for spots in the two deep, and Sanborn was that fifth guy, and then it just didn't materialize because you had a top group that emerged. I don't know whether he fits into the picture here, but he's a redshirt sophomore coming into this year or next season. Aiden Vaughn, I think, has a lot of potential. Tyler Janzi, absolutely. He was a tackling machine in high school. And Landon Gothier, this is a staff that recruited him, an in-state guy. So I think a lot of those guys fit for the future, but they're also young players, and what you need right now are guys you can count on. Yeah, and again, uh, Jaheen Thomas is obviously a guy they know and can count on. And what, what do you think about with Jake Cheney, though? Does Jake Cheney still fit? I think so. I I mean, he ended up with 61 tackles this season. I think he was, what, third on the team or something like that? I'm just talking about, like, his style, right? Yeah, well, this is, I think, what was so fascinating about watching this season unfold because... In some respects, look, it's a two-way street. You're at the mercy of the players that you have on your roster. No matter who you go and get from the portal or bring in recruiting, you don't have that much time, first of all, and you've still got probably 50 to 60 scholarship guys left over from the previous staff. On the other hand, it's the coaching staff's responsibility to make sure that who you have fits what you want to do, but that's not always the easiest thing to do, and I think we saw that this season is what they want and what Mike Tressel was asked about during bowl prep when we were down there in Tampa is the length and athleticism those two words we've said repeatedly since luke fickle talked about it on signing day they want more of that they want the christian allegro allegros they want the thomas heibergers like a 6 230 pound linebacker is perfect but that's not what cheney is but i still think he can give them something and to me if i look at the inside linebackers that played consistently i would say that based on my observations i think muma and jordan 
of the three perhaps struggled the most in the transition that they had to make in terms of the speed and space and, and getting guys on the edges. So I think that he can find a way to fit in this system. Yeah, I would agree. Do you think this move, though, makes it less likely that a guy like Thomas Heiberger will come in and play right away? Well, Heiberger, if I remember correctly, is coming in at outside linebacker, but they also added a pair of outside linebackers from the portal. I don't think you should be counting on true freshmen ever to be playing right away. It's, to me, what happens when you don't have enough. Like a Tucker Ashcraft. And that's not a bad thing because the freshman can come in and exceed your expectations and get experience that can mean something for the future. But they didn't have Thomas, or excuse me, Tucker Ashcraft playing <laughs> right away this season. It was out of necessity and he emerged. So I, I don't, like, they are obviously very high on Heiberger. They compare him to Christian Allegro because of body type. But if you look at the outside linebacker group, I think there is enough there that you're not counting on him. You've got Daryl Peterson back. John Pius and Leon Lowry, to me, are two guys who are going to be a part of the two-deep. Jeff Petrowski played. I don't think he was particularly effective in this defense. And then Aaron Witt is a great mystery. We finally saw him again in the bowl game. Didn't do a ton, but the dude hadn't played in a game in three years, so I don't really think that's a fair um, you know, look at what his ability is. I mean, if we're being fair, nobody in the front seven really did much. No. The, the, in the bowl game or in the season? Well, <laughs> no, that's well, not fair. There that are a few guys a, who did some things. But that, in the, across, that is I was just talking about the bowl game, the lack of a pass rush in the bowl game. Jesse just took a shot and knocked them all down no, for that, the that, entire season. That's not fair. I think Peterson and C.J. Gatz were underrated because they made some plays. Um, I think James Thompson made some plays, but they didn't have enough on the defensive line. No one outside of James Thompson really did much of anything consistently, so they have a lot of work to do up there. The outside linebackers played too many snaps. Yes. There was not enough depth at that outside linebacker spot to go around. We saw there there was actually a pretty healthy rotation in the bowl game. Yep. It didn't matter, but there was a healthy rotation. Would have liked to have had that throughout the entire year. They didn't, so... Um, again, Jaheim Thomas comes in. He's a guy that there was talk about him last year and mm-hmm. then potentially wanted to bring him in. He ended up at Arkansas. Uh, again, was very, very productive until uh, he ended up getting benched. He actually went down there. I was, I was reading a little bit about it. Went down there and, and won a job in fall camp. Like It wasn't a guarantee that he was going to end up being there. He won a job in fall camp, put up a ton of tackles early in the season, and then, uh, again, just fell off kind of towards the end because they decided they want to throw somebody else out there. And his, his tackle numbers certainly took a hit. His production took a hit. He fell 10 tackles short of 100. So production is what Wisconsin needs and experience, and that's what they get in Jaheim Thomas and certainly a, a guy that they know very, 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 very well. They are also losing a guy to the portal. They lost Nolan Rucci, one of five five-star players according to the 24-7 composite that they've had since, I think, 2001. The online recruiting rankings era started about 2001. So he is the fifth He was the fifth one to commit. He comes in, and outside of what he got in the bowl game, never truly, truly played significant snaps at Wisconsin. And you could say that's because Jack Nelson was in front of him, but if he was better than Jack Nelson, he would have played in front of Jack Nelson. This staff had no, you know, this isn't like, Joe Rudolph or Paul Christ recruiting him and promised, you know, something to Jack Nelson. They also, they, they pro, you know, this staff, this staff had no commitment to Jack Nelson whatsoever. Nolan Rusey still couldn't get on the field. And we know how tough a season Jack Nelson had, right? Yeah. We, we the, the penalties were there. There were some issues earlier in the season just in terms of guys just beating him. And Nolan Rusey still couldn't get on the field. 
He's now in the transfer portal, and this kind of felt like what was going to happen as soon as his brother decided not to come back for a sixth year. I kind of and and obviously Jack Nelson decided to come back. It all kind of fell together, and, and now he is gone into the transfer portal. We'll see where he ends up. As soon as we learned that Jack Nelson was going to come back for another season, this felt to me like a distinct possibility because you're talking about a guy who came here in the 2021 class, redshirted, then he didn't play in 2022, obviously didn't play very much this season. Did the catch bulk a touchdown. Of, he did catch a touchdown. That is his greatest contribution, and it was certainly a big one because they helped to, they helped to beat Illinois. Yep. But he came here to play on the offensive line and block and do a lot of great things there. The bulk of his snaps this season came in that bowl game. He ended up playing 24 snaps. And with Nelson coming back, and we don't necessarily know what the offensive line is going to look like, but my projection is that Nelson's still at left tackle. Now, he could move inside to guard, but that doesn't leave a lot of opportunity for Rucci. And do you really want to sit out for a third straight season and not play? It makes perfect sense why he's choosing. I think from the the Badgers fan perspective, and I I saw a lot of this in my mentions on the socials (laughs) on Twitter, People are upset about this move because they felt like Jack didn't have a very good year, and well, they're they're letting this opportunity go by. I think they get hung up on he was a five-star player, and look, it's a crapshoot. Logan Brown was a five-star player. They've had two five-star players since Josh Oglesby, and that was 15 plus years ago. And neither of those players was particularly productive for Wisconsin. Logan Brown only started, I think, three games. So and did not play barely a snap down at Kansas this year. Right. So I think. Some fans, it seems like, are kind of getting caught up in that and look at this potential and this talent. But to your point, Zach, if he was better than Jack Nelson, he would have played. And I think we were, he was going to find himself in a similar situation next season. So you might as well move on, get a fresh start. And I also think that that's a very valid point about he was not recruited by this staff and he was not recruited to play in this type of system. Yes, he's a massive dude, 6'8", 300-plus pounds, but... They are recruiting a certain type of offensive lineman, and Rucci came here to play in a different system. So I'm not going to pretend that I can judge offensive line play. Yeah, I won't either. Right? So I have to kind of lean on some other people that, that do it, and one of those guys that does it is is on the beat with uh, the Wisconsin beat in Colton Bartholomew, and he was not overly impressed with what he saw out of in his takeaways. If you go and read them at BadgerExtra.com, he was not very impressed with what Nolan Rucci did on uh, on Monday against LSU. Now you're being thrown to the fire. I don't know how fair it is, you know, to, to completely judge him on that. But it's not like he overwhelmed anybody when he came in and, and got his opportunities. And he certainly wasn't overwhelming anybody in practicing when he got his opportunities. So you can complain about giving away a five star player, but if he's not good, what's the po- who gives a crap? No one's stars matter once you get here. Zero. They don't mean a single thing once you get here. You have to go out and perform. We see that. I mean, go look at Alabama. How many players they had enter the transfer portal in this week? All those guys were like four- and five-star players. They weren't good enough to play at Alabama. Maybe they'll find other spots, but we've seen that too. Christian Bell. Remember Christian Bell? Very vaguely. Four-star outside linebacker, went to Alabama, then he transferred to Wisconsin, and he was nothing more than a backup. Mm-hmm. That, that stuff happens in recruiting. Do stars matter? There's Well, there's been some talk this week. Maybe they don't because of Michigan and Washington, but both those schools still recruit better than what Wisconsin does, but stars do matter. They do. But once you get on campus, they don't. Well, they matter if it is the totality of your class is a bunch of yes. those guys. Right. It, when you only but have... That, 20, that 2021 class was yes. what, ranked 16th? Yep, the best one in, in program history. Go run it down. Nolan Rucci. I'm not going to be... It's, I mean, it's still very early with some of these guys, yep. right? Jack Pugh. Jake Retzloff. 
uh, Marcus Allen, Loyal Crawford, Skylar Bell, Al Ashford, Ayo Eddie Bogon. I mean, go on down the list. There's some really good hits in this class, mm-hmm. but there's also some very, very big misses. And right now, you have to say Nolan Rucci is a miss. Yeah. He's, yeah. Not, he's not a five-star player. He was when he came out of high school. Yeah. He's not now. And so while stars matter as a part of your class when they come in, they don't matter once you get there. Talk this, to anybody. They do not matter. Of course. And, and the stars, obviously, they're, they're, they're used to show what people think their potential is, how they performed in high school, and what could be a possibility in college. But obviously we know it guarantees nothing. And the other thing that's worth pointing out is this staff, in recruiting its own players, has five offensive linemen coming in this class, including a couple of offensive tackles, Derek Derek Jensen, the in-state kid, and a guy who I think they... To me, when we look back, we might go, holy crap, this guy was uh, pretty special. It didn't matter if he wasn't from the state. Kevin Haywood, like, they, I mean, he's, he's an All-American game. Is, so is it, it's because you saw him toss a kid at the All-American game? I actually don't. I didn't see that. <laughs> but I'm going to take your word for it. I just think they've got a lot of guys that they feel pretty good about. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to get deeper into the depth chart coming up on the other side of the break. A little overreaction or no. Um, I've got some good ones. I think I got some good ones uh, for us all lined up coming up after the break. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Got some basketball going on. No football for the first time, I think, since August. As obviously the NFL, all the games being played on Saturdays and Sundays. Packers game, big one coming up on Sunday afternoon against the Bears. 325 win and in for the Packers. And if they lose, they could still get in. They would have to have three other games to go their way. Likelihood of that happening, Jesse. Very low. Yeah, so... Win and in, and the Bears playing some good football of late. All right, let's get into a little overreaction. No, let's dig a little bit further into uh, the depth chart um, for you. You currently have Tywee Walker. Is that how you say it? Tywee Walker. Tywee Walker. Tywee. Tywee Walker as the backup to Ches Malusi. I'm going to say overreaction. No, one of the freshmen is going to beat out Walker to back up Ches Malusi. Is that an overreaction or no? I think it's an overreaction. I, I base the I base a lot of this on production in college okay. and I think that matters. I mean, why are you going and getting a guy who's got one year of eligibility left ooh, 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 unless I know. I know. Unless you think he's going to be a key contributor here. I mean, obviously Ches Malusi's been hurt yeah. for three straight seasons. And you have nothing behind it. Well, that's my point. And so No, I shouldn't say it. you have nothing proven behind it. Yes, that's my point. And now Jackson Aker, he had a nice game in the bowl game. I think he, he look he was in a tough spot. And he did say after the game that he had had conversations with coaches at some point about potentially moving to H back and that feels like a a real possibility. Yeah. Now, I, I, they're not going to have eight scholarship running backs next season. They just, and if guys are going to stay, they got to put them somewhere else because you want to get guys opportunities to actually play. Having said that, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility of particularly Dylan Jones and Darian Dupree. I mean, he was called it an overreaction. So. Well, 
you asked whether they were going to play over Walker, but that doesn't mean that they won't play. Like, I can see three running backs potentially playing, and, and certainly if you feel good about those guys, you want to get them some opportunities for the future, and, and maybe that takes away from Walker's opportunities. But I, I come into this thinking next season that um, it's going to be Walker, and those young guys are going to have to earn it. Again, I, I, me personally, me personally, what I think is happening here is that they believe that they needed some other, but they need somebody else on this roster to back up Ches Malusi, mm-hmm. who has experience. That's the only reason he's added. He's a fine product. I don't think. Were you impressed when you watched his film? I mean, he ran for 513 yards and seven touchdowns. I, I think there were a couple games that impressed me. Like he had a couple hundred yard games. He scored a touchdown against Texas. He's done some good things. But he hasn't been a career starter or anything like that. On the other hand, that's not necessarily what they're asking him to come in and do. So at this point, I think he, like, he strikes me as someone who's going to be a nice role player. And I don't think they're bringing him here for one season and using a scholarship on that to have him sit. But you know what they're those, using the scholarship? Let me know. You know what they're using it for. As an insurance plan? Yes. Yeah. Because they, can't, they could not roll into what they dealt with this year. Yeah. Where you lose your two guys or don't have, you know, you don't lose Chaz and you lose Braylon and you're starting guys that a converted fullback and a converted safety, and that's what you're dealing with. You can't, you, you can't do that. Right. And now, again, they had Nate White, who obviously was not ready to play this year. That was, the only, that was all they had. It says, I mean, it, it screams that Nate White was not ready to play when he could not even get in the game the other, night, other day. So I, all I'll say is I, I think Tyree Ty Walker is an insurance policy, mm-hmm. and I think it's possible and probable that one of the freshmen do beat him out. So I look forward to fall camp, I'll say that, because there's probably no position I'm more interested in than that because of the amount of talent they have. And we should also mention that Gideon Atuka, the other freshman, is the only one of the three who's going to be an early enrollee, and yep. I think we've seen that can that can be a big deal for guys. And quite honestly, he is more like Tyree Walker than the other two. Yeah, he's a big boy, yeah. big downhill runner. Yeah, so, uh, all right, overreaction or no? A transfer will be Wisconsin's starting nickelback next year. Not an overreaction. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, right now, I put Austin Brown as the starting nickel corner largely because, well, entirely because of what they did in the bowl game. Jason Matry had moved on, was going to train for the NFL draft. They didn't feel good about what was left at that position, and so they slid Austin Brown over from safety to the nickel corner spot, and then they started Hunter Wohler and Kamoi Latu. I think... There are obviously some different factors that are going to dictate where he ends up. But the biggest is, are they going to get someone from the portal? At this point, Wisconsin is most heavily pursuing cornerback help, defensive line help, and if you can get Tackett Curtis, well, that's a heck of a bonus at linebacker. But in particular, they want to get cornerback and defensive line. So if they get somebody then it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense to move Austin Brown back to safety because there are only six scholarship safeties on the roster as it's currently constructed. Now, I think another part of this equation is, and I don't know if we've necessarily talked about this, Zach, but Kamoe Latu has another year of eligibility, even though he was a senior. He played in five games in that 2020 COVID year when he was at Utah all on special teams, and presumably he would take that extra year because he was not among the seniors that was honored on senior day uh, in the regular season finale. So my... I went into this depth chart under the assumption that he will be back. We haven't heard an official announcement on that, but if that is the case, then you've got Latu, you've got Hunter Wohler, who's, I mean, he's, if he's not a team captain, then something's wrong. And you've still got um, Preston Zachman. So 
you've got experience there. But if you can add Austin Brown, that's quite a two-deep at safety, assuming you have somebody else that can be in the nickel corner. It is, and, and also, I mean, he did end up playing a number of snaps in the slot. Uh, yes, he not, did. I, it wasn't a large number, but I think it was like 60 or something like that leading be, before before uh, before Monday, where he actually, I thought he held up pretty nice. They were not necessarily getting beat in the slot. They were going after the guy opposite of yes. Ricardo Hallman. Who, whoever, whatever whoever, side Ricardo Hallman was. wasn't on. Yeah, that was not, not an ideal situation. Nazir Forkurin got burned a couple times. They put Alexander Smith in for a play. He got beat, and then they ended up with Jonas Duclona, a true freshman, who was in a tough spot late in the game and gave up a big play. LSU ended up scoring a touchdown. So you can see why they want some cornerback help. But you're right. About, I'm looking at the pro football focus numbers right now. He ended up playing 123 snaps as a slot corner specifically. Okay, so double that then. 56 of them in the bowl game. Oh, so I had it right then. Yeah, you're right. All right sweet. Um, got a couple more here. Jackson McGowan yeah. will end up starting at tight end. Um, is that an overreaction or no? I'm going to go with overreaction for now, largely because, and this is the case with a lot of the transfers they're bringing in, I have no idea what to expect at that position. Um, they've got guys that played but were not particularly productive. My starter at this point is Tucker Ashcraft, just based on the fact that as a freshman, a true freshman, he came in and played. I got Riley Nowakowski as the backup. But absolutely, they didn't bring in a, a former top 25 tight end and someone they had plenty of familiarity with who was committed to Luke Fickle in Cincinnati for a year and not expect him to be a big part of this future. So I, I think he'll have a chance, but it's hard to know because he didn't play at LSU. Like, there is no sample size in college to actually go on, but there is some good young talent there. I'm actually probably most excited of, of the newcomers in Grant Steck because he's 6'6", yeah. and when we were talking to Pat Lambert and Max Steinecker on signing day, Max mentioned that he's 247 pounds. That's ridiculous. I've seen his film. He is a great pass catcher, but he is as physical as anybody. There was a play where he... Uh, he ran around to the other side for his running back and blocked a kid 30 yards down the field. Now, you see that a lot when somebody's just more physical at the high school level, but he's got a, a tenaciousness to him that I think will bode well for him in college. I was gonna, The question was going to be Jackson, uh, Jackson uh, McGowan will lead Wisconsin in receiving by a tight end. That was going to be the question. Kind of changing up here. I, I, I think maybe it might be a little bit of a stretch to see him start the mm -hmm. season, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's going to be that big of a stretch to say that he could end up leading them in catches. Because, Wisconsin's because, leading tight end. Yes, this is. Go ahead. Hayden Rucci had 11 catches for 125 yards. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the door is wide open for anybody who plays that position to lead right. the team in receptions. Right, which is why I did not use that one because it would have been too easy. Yeah. But I, I think certainly he's got a chance to step into that role because they have needs. I, I think fair to say at tight end. Obviously, we both think Tucker Ashcraft has a chance to be pretty darn good. Uh, Riley Nowakowski gave them something, but there is holes to be filled there because we know, we know at North Carolina that certainly Phil Longo utilized the tight end when he had one that he felt good about. Yeah. And didn't necessarily have that this year with Wisconsin. So um, one more here. Tyler Van Dyke yeah. will be the best transfer quarterback in the Big Ten. Is that an overreaction or no? The reason I bring this one in is because just before we went on the air, Ohio State's got their transfer quarterback it is will howard from kansas state uh they evaluated all the quarterbacks in the portal per espn and decided that it was howard that they wanted even though there's some guys that are probably a little bit 
higher ranked than him. Um, but dude's got some production, some success, and now at Ohio State. Do you know who any of the other transfer quarterbacks are for other schools? Is In the Big the Ten? Only? Yeah. I mean, Aiden Childs for uh, Michigan State. They brought the kid in from yeah. um, from uh, Oregon State. Obviously, the kid from uh, the lower levels that's now at Minnesota. Obviously, they throw him in there too. As yeah. I again, I'm 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 more Mac Brosmer, Max Brosmer, the kid that ended up at Michigan. Or excuse me, at uh, Minnesota. His, that's his name. I, I completely forget that uh, that uh, Oregon is actually in the Oregon Dylan Washington. Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, and you have Will Rogers from Mississippi State going to Washington. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel less good about the question. <laughs> and, and 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 obviously uh, Oregon also got Dante Moore, yes. more as a project, but than than anything else. So yeah. the question stands: Tyler Van Dyke is also a four star, just yeah. like all these other guys are. And I don't t- put a ton of effort or you know stock in transfer rankings. Mm-hmm. Like I don't the evaluation of it. Like Jaheim Thomas is not is, is like ranked lower than. Um, in terms of this, like the the number is ranked lower than Tyler uh, than uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I don't think he's going to okay. be <laughs> so the best quarterback in the league. I think so. No, this, not the best quarterback in the league. The, the best, the best transfer. transfer. I don't think he's going to be the best transfer quarterback in the league. And I think again, this past season feels to me, and this is my perspective as a beat reporter and I think the perspective of a lot of fans is everything that happened this year is just tempered expectations even though Tyler Van Dyke had nothing to do with that think about where we were at a year ago at this time Tanner Mordecai is coming to Wisconsin look at the numbers he put up at SMU wow he's going to be really special this year and I remember doing a bold predictions and said he would I think it was pass for like more yards than Russell Wilson but not throw as many touchdowns right and if the version that showed up in the bowl game was there every game, that would have happened. But he ended up with nine touchdowns and four interceptions, and it didn't happen for him. And and it's in, it's also interesting because my my I guess perspective on on what fans think of the Van Dyke edition is kind of like, man, <laughs> they don't seem all that excited because of what happened this season. And that's understandable. He had a stretch where he threw no touchdowns, five interceptions, got benched. He got benched. But at the same time, in 2021, he was the ACC Rookie of the Year. And I think that's important here because Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator and did a lot of the concepts that Phil Longo is going to do with the the RPO action, the up-tempo, no-huddle type of system. Then he had three offensive coordinators in three seasons, and Phil Longo is going to be his fourth offensive coordinator in four seasons. So it's kind of like a wait-and-see mode of, well, which version of Tyler Van Dyke is going to show up? Now, Miami didn't have a great team overall. They went 15-13 and in his starts. So... I think that's part of this, too. And all of that together leads me to kind of temper the expectations. But there is great potential there for him to thrive. There's a lot of other questions around it, though, about the tight ends that we talked about. And are the wide receivers going to take forward? And how good are the running backs? Right. Uh, you mentioned Rhett Lashley. Um, who else did he coach? Tanner Mordecai. Oh, okay. So he, so Tanner Mordecai in his offense looked really, really good. Yeah, and then it was a little bit of a tough, tough scene at times. On, now he Phil was the Longo's head coach, offense. not running the offense, right? At it's SMU. still his offense. Just saying. You think Phil Longo's going to run a different offense if he was a head coach? Nah, probably not. But you're going to have somebody else, presumably, calling the plays and that type of stuff. I would think so. But yeah, either way, maybe. either yeah, way. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's also a stretch. It's it's a stretch to say. But if they get top three, yeah. quarterback, uh, transfer quarterback. If you get if, look, you're never you're not going to get. What Tanner Mordecai did on Monday every 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 week, but if you can get 
250, mm-hmm. a couple touchdowns, maybe limit the turnovers on a regular basis, then all of a sudden it looks a little bit different and you feel good about it. That's and then and maybe, maybe you have like an explosive game like you did yeah. in the bowl game. That's the thing that's hard to figure out here is like – what are realistic expectations for Van Dyke? And I'm not even going to bother to put stats on it right now. I think I was more willing to do it with Mordecai. If he throws 25 touchdowns and six interceptions like he did in 2021 in Miami, you'd feel pretty good. But I have no idea what to expect. And that's, I think, another part of the problem. Problem may not be the right word, but when you bring in a quarterback or anybody for one year, like Mordecai played his best football at the end, and now he's done, and now you got to start over. And this guy's going to have one year, and then he'll be done. So you'd love to have somebody that can play for multiple years, but obviously they felt they needed more and are not going to rely specifically on, on Braden Locke alone. Is Braden Locke the backup quarterback? Yes. Okay. And is Tyler Van Dyke for sure the starter? Yes. There's no competition. I know Luke Fickle says there's a competition, and presumably in spring practice we'd see something to that effect, but I also remember what happened last season when it was Mordecai's show from the beginning, and I imagine that's the expectation for Van Dyke. All right. We shall see. Uh, come back on the other side. Going to talk a little Badger basketball and the offense that they've been showing so far through 13 games. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome back into Temple and High Alfred, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Great place to watch football, great place to watch basketball, now that it is officially basketball season. I guess the NFL is still going on, still some important games to be played, including on Sunday when the Packers take on the Bears, 325. Come down and watch it here. Great drinks, very, very good drink specials. The help is great, and uh, it's a good place to Good place to be. You had something to eat tonight. Your your uh, famous brisket sandwich, right? I don't know how famous it is, but like I say, I'm a creature of habit. I find something I like and I just stick with it. Yeah. So uh, some uh, sweet potato fries and a brisket sandwich. Love it. All right. Let's talk a little basketball here. As Wisconsin moved to th- uh, ten and three with their win over Iowa on was that Tuesday night at the Kohl Center. Done. Um, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff from A.J. Storer, a lot of good stuff from Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall and Max Klesmit. Offensively, they have been very good this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the word very good. I don't know about excellent, but they've been very good. They are scoring at a rate higher than anything since the 1993-94 season. And when you look, at, and, and there are some people that say, well, they're, they're doing it on more possessions. And like some of these other teams that have played here, I think the 2015 team did it on what they were scoring, like 72 points a game on like 66 possessions or something like that, or whatever, whatever it is. But you go and look at the um, Ken Palm, it keeps a running list of the off, offensive efficiency numbers. And Wisconsin, since, and this has been since 2001, 2002. So essentially the Bo Ryan, Greg Gard era at Wisconsin. And this team right now has the fourth best offensive efficiency rankings of all the Badger teams that have been since then. The only ones that have been better so far are ones that finished in the top five in the country in that in that uh, category, and that was the 2015 team, the 2014 team, and the 2011 team. So that is what this team has done. They're right below them. And again, the numbers are probably going to go down as you get into conference play and teams know you more. 
but I've been so impressed with their offense, and I know you're going to be writing a story about it coming up next week, but what has stood out to you about this offense, and is it something that could be maintained? It's a few different things that have stood out to me about this offense. First of all, you brought the bulk of your contributors back, and the guys who needed to improve, for the most part, have improved. But they also got help. They got A.J. Storr as a transfer, and what he has meant to this team, its uh, you can quantify it in the numbers, but just look at it on the floor and you can see. He's averaging 15 points per game, which leads the team. I think it's the number of ways that he can score that really stands out, and we talked about this on the swing, but look at what he did in the Iowa game. He had some alley-oop dunks. He had a great drive from the perimeter and just drove right down and dunked it. He had a baseline drive where he pulled up his dribble. It looked like there were three defenders on him. I don't know how he got the shot off, but he managed to score, and he hit a three-pointer. So he adds that dynamic for this offense, having a 6'7". He's listed at 6'7", wing, who can do that is big. John Blackwell, too. We didn't know that we were going to get this from him this season, but all that together has helped this Wisconsin team average almost 75 points per game and kind of crept up on me. I hadn't realized that it had been seven, eight consecutive games of 70-plus points, but I do think this is sustainable because of the way they're scoring. And you talked about this on the swing, too. The three-point shooting hasn't been there. That means they can win games by getting to the line, by scoring inside, by playing sound defense. And this is a team that, to me, feels like it's built to make a run in March. I know it's not always fair to talk about that in January, but let's face it. That is what people talk about in yeah. college basketball. What can your team do that you, that you cover or that you root for in March? And they've got the pieces because it's not just A.J. Store. And I think that's the other thing, too, is they've got really good depth. They do have really good depth, and we obviously have mentioned or talked about Connor Seijin and, and the guys that aren't getting playing time right now, but even, I mean, the guys that are, of John Blackwell, Carter Gilmore, Kamari McGee, um, Nolan Winter, all those guys, and then you have some other pieces that potentially could help. And I think it's three-point shooting is where some of those guys might be able to help. Uh, they, they, they're three best, well... Chucky, I think, is one of their best three-point shooters. It's not showing up in the stats right now. Max Klesman, I think, is one of their better three-point shooters, not necessarily uh, standing out right now. But Connor Seijin, Isaac Lindsay, and you could probably even you know, throw Marcus Silva in there, too, just the way that the bench looks when his shot goes up, which is always my indicator of whether they think he's a good three-point shooter or not, and they always stand up when he, his ball goes in, or his ball goes up. But their best three-point shooters are guys that are not necessarily getting on the floor. Um... I do think it's sustainable because of the way they're doing it. You're not going to, let's, let's be fair, you're not going to get 35 three free throw attempts every single night, which is what they did against Iowa. But they have been much, much better at getting to the line on a consistent basis this year than they were last year. And the whole thing, and I know, again, we're bringing up a lot of stuff we talked about on the swing already. If you haven't listened to it, go, go do so. Uh, Jim Polzine joined us from the Wisconsin State Journal, good 20 minutes with him. But we kind of we, we kind of talked about this. The whole thing with Bo was shoot more or make more free throws than your opponent shoots, and it's not something that has been, you know, realistic and, and actually been something they've done for over a decade now. But they're right there. They're only like 10, uh, 10 behind in terms of the their made versus the opponent's take. So th- that is that is something that they've consistently done this year. If the three point shooting comes in, they are so dangerous, so dangerous. If they are able to start hitting from three. Yeah, well, look at the guys who are your your three most frequent three-point shooters. Max Klesman's shooting 30.6%. 
AJ Store shooting 29.8%, and Chucky shooting 25.6%. Now, I'm not sure you'd necessarily see AJ's numbers going way up because he can do a lot of other different things, but we have seen what Chucky and Max can do. And so if they get hot, look out. But they're still finding ways to help the team, finding ways to score. Obviously, Klesman had that ridiculous first-half performance against Marquette, which you can't expect on a consistent no. basis. But it just shows you that anybody can lead this team on a given night. And it's certainly been fun to watch to this point. And, uh, I mean, they have every bit as good of an opportunity to have a, a great Big Ten season as anybody else. I think we probably agree that Purdue is the cream of the crop at oh, this yeah. point. And yet after that... If Wisconsin finishes second in the Big Ten when this is all said and done, I'd say, yeah, that seems about right. Like, in the two to four range and earning a double buy. And if you do that, and I understand the Big Ten may be down relative to other seasons. I think there's only three teams that are currently ranked in the AP Top 25. Yeah. Uh, and Wisconsin is one of them. But you do that through the course of a regular season, and you've picked up some really nice non-conference wins. Obviously, what they did down in Fort Myers to beat SMU in Virginia, beating Marquette. Like, you're going to be a four seed in the NCAA tournament, four or five seed, and, and then you're going to be putting yourself in a position to make that second weekend in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think the, the latest bracketology has them as a three, mm-hmm. but um, that sounds about right. The whole thing is, and you, you mentioned this to me, where were they at this time last year? Well, they were in the exact same spot, feeling, basically. Feeling very, very good about themselves. So it's obviously maintaining this, yeah. hoping that Tyler Wall doesn't get hurt, sure. hoping that Max Klesman doesn't get hurt, hoping that your best players don't miss time, and you'll be able to sustain it. Um, but again, offensively, the, what they're doing, and that's not like they've been bad defensively. I think they're ranked 35th in the uh, adjusted efficiency defensively, according to Ken Palm. So it's not like they're bad in that respect at all. They've been pretty good there, too. So can they keep it going? I don't know, but... I do feel better about them right now than I did at this time last year. I think that's for sure. Um, they played Nebraska on Saturday. Nebraska taking care of Indiana uh, at home last night, pretty easily actually, by 16. What do we know if Nebraska's any good? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. They lost at Minnesota. Not a great loss. Lost by 30 to Creighton. So it's <laughs> hard to tell. But Wisconsin also lost. Take away the late thirteen scores. to Providence. And late, and by the, they were down by twenty some odd yeah. late in that game. Yeah. On the other hand, they've had played some pretty good basketball of late one nine of ten. Now, I mean, look, this is a good a good early test here in the Big Ten play. And Nebraska's twelve and two, and you're going to find a, a whole lot more out about them. And you know, Wisconsin's got a chance to to go on a little bit of a run here. I think if you just look at the schedule, for sure, for sure. We'll see if they're able to do it again. They take on Nebraska on Saturday. Tip coming at one fifteen. All right, going to come back on the other side, finish up the show here at Monk's. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. Closing out the show here. We've got a few minutes left. I know you're working on some things, Jesse. Um, biggest questions this offseason for the Wisconsin Bowl program that they have to answer. Is it this offseason or is it next year? Or I is it just in general? It's the year to come. Okay. Yeah. So what is at the top of your list? 
To me, it starts with the offense. I have the same question for offense and defense as how does this offense improve in year two under Longo? And how does this defense improve in year two under Tressel? I, you know, you it's longer any, than a couple-minute conversation. Did but. you get any of those answers from either of those guys when they talked? I certainly did not. Okay. But neither one wanted to look beyond the bowl game, which I can understand. Uh, we've talked about both sides, but there's just a lot for those two groups to figure out. And, again... After what happened this season, you've got a greater sample size of what works and what doesn't. I think that's really important, especially when you look offensively. Think about they wanted to force-feed Braylon Allen on these swing passes early in the season. He had 15 catches in the first three games for 41 yards, and he only had 13 catches the rest of the season. So I think that's a small example of what I think it's going to take is understanding what is actually working here, what doesn't, and let's figure it out. They would have combined for over 50. Remember that that little thing we were talking about before? Yes. The, they both said they wanted 50. Uh, they would have, him and Ches Malusi definitely would have combined for for more than fifty. Uh, some of the other what are the, some of the other ones you have? Well, we mentioned the expectations for Tyler yep. Van Dyke. I wonder how much more Wisconsin's tight ends and wide receivers can give this offense. Uh, I think it should be an awful lot. We, met, we talked about the tight ends too. I'm curious about which transfers will most impact the program. We we obviously touched on that as well, but they're not done adding portal players, true freshmen that can be instant impact guys. We see this every year, and I think this class in particular has a chance to have some of those dudes running back and defensive line come to mind. My biggest, uh, the, the biggest thing about the transfers is at this time last year, no one was talking about Will Pollen. Yep. Nobody. Us included. We, uh, I've mentioned this a number of times. Top 10 transfers. We did a draft. or the, I, I think it was, we drafted all of them. And Will Pollen, like was one of the last ones taken. Yeah. I think like Nick Evers got taken before him. And yeah. Um, and Brian, Braden Locke got taken before him. Like guys that probably were not going to play if Tanner Mordecai stayed healthy. So it is a it's a interesting topic, and it makes me look at it a little bit different uh, for this coming year. And the same thing with the freshmen. We kind of heard from like what they looked at when they decided what freshmen were going to end up playing early is their senior tape. So we'll get to see how it, how it all plays out um, as uh, winter workouts get going. January fourteenth. At least that's what it sounded like from Luke Fickle, and then spring ball after that. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week.